Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. Do you see what I see? I see a church that for 16 years has loved South Atlanta one relationship at a time. A church that in the past year alone has seen more salvations and baptisms than any other year in its history. I see a church that is committed to making a lasting impact in Coweta and Troop County. A church that has deep relationships in schools and in the community. A church that has trusted God and has followed Him at all cost. But I see more. Do you see what I see? I see a church that is willing to do whatever it takes to share the love of Jesus. A church that is ready for what God has next. I see a church that has established itself in Troop County and is ready for a permanent location. A church that wants to expand throughout South Atlanta. A church that gives out of the overflow of their heart. A church that is the future of the next generation. I see a church that is being the church. I see Southcrest. God has given our church an incredible opportunity to impact His kingdom. Over the next 100 days, we are asking you to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign as we move forward with all that God has planned for our church. That was great. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. I want to welcome both of our campuses. We are live in Noonan and LaGrange at the same time. Let's give each other a loud shout. Come on. Oh, let's try that one more time. Come on. All right. All right. Act like your team just won the Sugar Bowl like mine. All right. Um, I'm sorry, Auburn fans. I'm an OU fan. Boomer Sooner for life. Sooner born, sooner bred. Before I die, I'll be sooner dead. Okay. That's all I got to say. Some of you guys, he's crazy. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Uh, Glad you're here today. We're launching a brand new series called Making Change. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, it's time to make some change. Okay, time to make some change, right? We got changes going on now. I've always learned this in my life, but when it comes to change and seeing things happen in my life, I've always been taught that there's basically three types of people in the room today, LaGrange and Noonan, three types of people that you're sitting around, okay? The first one is those who make it happen, right? Those who watch it happen, and those who say, what happened, right? And some of you go, I'm that person. I'm like, what happened, you know? And, uh, and, and I want to say this. We need to make some change. I don't know if you realize 2016 was a crazy year. How many of you glad 2017 is here, right? Come on. I am glad. I've never been more glad to see a calendar click over into a new year. And, uh, but, but the idea is sometimes we just kind of stand around and hoping that the world will change or that our world will change. And the truth is we need to make some change. Now, here's the truth. God wants to bring change to our life. God wants to bring change to our life. He does. See, that's the good thing about God because, see, God never changes. But God wants us to change so that we can become more like him. And so here's what I know about change. When we resist change, we get stuck. You ever been stuck before in your life? Just feel like you're going in the same motion? Feel like you're on this internal treadmill in your life and you're just going over and over? Listen, I'm a runner. I've been running 15 years. I no longer call it the treadmill. I call it the dreadmill. 
right? Because I love running outside, but when I have to run on a treadmill, you know it's like, man, he's desperate for a run, okay? Now, I got to make some change, but some of us, we got this internal treadmill going on, and what happens is when we resist change in our life, we get stuck. And so some of us have started the new year, and you're like, man, I'm just kind of stuck, but I got good news for you. God never changes, but he wants you to change, and he wants you to change remarkably in a way that will make your life different and better, I really believe God's got our best interests. See, here's the thing. Many times we want God to change, don't we? You ever been there? Hey, God, I want to change your mind about something. God does something and we go, God, you need to change. And God goes, no, 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 you need to change. I am unchanging and I want to bring remarkable change. Don't get stuck in the midst of change. But here's the thing about change. Change begins when you and I reject the status quo. Think about it. We all have a status quo in our life, right? All of us. We have a way of saying, this is the way my life is, and it will never be any different than this. And I don't know what it is. Sometimes it happens about 35 or 40, but people get stuck in the midst of change because they think nothing can ever change in their life. I mean, think about it. Moses was in his 80s when he had the burning bush experience. That's a pretty good retirement right there, right? You go out in the desert and find a burning bush. I mean, think about all the people in the Bible that God radically changed their life because they didn't resist change. In fact, it started when they rejected the status quo, the idea that my life can never change. I've got good news for you today. Listen, we can make change. We can make change. God wants to change us. Listen, but to make change, I have to embrace change. You see, babies embrace change very well. You ever seen a baby after they've had their diaper changed? I mean, like a really bad diaper, and they look at you, and they're just all calm, like, oh, I love change. But somehow, when we get older as adults, we struggle with change, don't we? Right? We're like, who moved my cheese, right? Like, what happened? Why is so much of the world changing? But I, I want to say this today. Do you realize how fast the world's changing around you? Some of you go, I know. Listen, 20 years ago, there was no Facebook. 20 years ago, if you'd have said, hey, have you read my Twitter? People would look at you like, what? You're crazy, boy. Twitter, what's that, you know? Uh, 20 years, think of how the world has changed in 20 years. The culture has changed. And I wanna say this, look at how you've changed in the last five years. I got this little secret for you. You're getting older. Some of you go, no, I'm not. I'm using oil of Olay. My skin is, is... no, 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 listen. It doesn't matter how much plastic you put underneath there, okay? Some of y'all need to laugh. Can we just laugh real quick, right? Doesn't matter how much plastic you got underneath there, you're changing. And whether you realize it or not, what happens is we get stuck because we can't make change because we're not embracing change. Why do we struggle with change? Here's why. Because we love our comfort and we love our control. I like my life the way it is. Psychologists have said that some people will never experience radical change in their life. The change only occurs when the pain of staying the same is more painful than the needed change. So if you're like 600 pounds and you're like, hey, dude, I'm dropping 12 Big Macs a day and, and I'm going to die. And the doctor looks at you, if you eat a 13th Big Mac, you're going to go to heaven, right, and meet Jesus. And so you go, oh, my gosh, like I'm going to die. And so suddenly you go, I got to make change. The pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of changing. But I got good news for you today. Here, here's why it's so exciting what we're going to be talking about next couple of weeks. God can change the world if you will let him change you. In fact, God can change the world if I first let him change me. 
If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 54. Now, those of you that know me, I have a favorite book of the New Testament, Old Testament. My favorite Old Testament book of the Bible is Isaiah. I don't know why. There's more promises that God has given me over my life out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 54. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of the backstory. God is giving some promises to Isaiah for his people. And chapters 53, 54, and 55 really all kind of connect together. They're like one general thought because in Isaiah 53, God talks to us about our forgiveness. He says, I'm going to send my son Jesus and he's going to make a way and he's going to die. And by his stripes, we are going to be healed, right? We use that verse a lot, Isaiah 53, 5 at at, uh, Easter every year, that Jesus is going to be the suffering servant. And we just go, oh, that's awesome. And then we get to Isaiah 54. And he's talking to us as God's people, as the church. And he says, I've got some promises because I'm sending my son, Jesus. I got some promises I want to make to you that I'm going to bring restoration to your life, that I'm going to restore you, that you're not going to stay the same that you were in your past. And then in verse, in chapter 55, he gives this invitation. In fact, he starts Isaiah 55 with these words. He invites people. He says, all who are thirsty, come and drink. And it's almost like he's saying, I'm making a way through Jesus. I want to bring restoration to my people so that they can turn around and take this amazing gospel to the world and they can invite thirsty people to find living water. I don't know about you, but that's change. I love how God just kind of throws that out at us. And so we're going to look at three verses today in Isaiah 54. and We're going to start with verse one. Listen to what God tells Isaiah. He says, sing, barren woman, you who have never bore a child. Burst into song, shouts of joy, you who were never in labor. Now, here's the thing. In these days, if you were a woman and you were not able to have children, in a sense, many people would look down on you. They would say, oh, that's so bad that she can't have a child. She, she is barren. She can't have a baby. Like, like, like maybe God has his curse against her. In those days, a lot of people looked at that as being the ultimate worst case scenario. And then he says, shout for joy, you who uh, were never in labor. Now, how, how many women have been in labor before? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never done that before. But I can tell you about my experience with labor. When, when, when we were having our child, um, this lady in our church gave us, me this huge pan of Rice Krispie treats. Anybody like Rice Krispie treats? Yeah, they are good, but they're of the devil, right? And I'm just eating these Rice Krispie treats left and right. And all of a sudden, um, my wife had that uh, contraction monitor on her stomach and the contractions went from like zero to like a million, right? And at that point, she turns around and looks at me and she, she has this look on her face and she's like, put that down. And I literally have a Rice Krispie treat in my mouth. And so he says this, he says, shout for joy, you who are never in labor. In other words, those of you who've never had the joy and the pain of labor, but the joy that comes after it, he says, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. What in the world is God saying? Here's what he's saying. See, Israel had been defeated. They no longer had a temple to come worship in. They had had bad king after bad king. They were living in devastation and famine and darkness and injustice. And it seemed as if God had kind of just left them in that moment, just dark, just, hey, I can't get past that. And in the midst of all of that, God looks to them. And in verse one, he says, in the midst of all your pain, 
in the midst of all your darkness, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sing. And I can't think of a more fitting thing to start 2017 than to look at you and say, listen, no matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what you went through in 2016, no matter what you're gonna face this year, you and I have a choice. God has already told us in Isaiah 54, we have this promise. And when we feel like all darkness and all this stuff is happening in our life, he says, hey, listen, I just want you to sing. I want you to declare my name. I want you to tell people I've made a way through Jesus and I'm gonna restore you. And you just stand and you just keep declaring my name because I got good news for you today. If you're alive in this room, God's not done with you. Some of you go, well, I wish I was dead. I feel like I'm dead. If you're alive, listen, LaGrange, if you're alive, God's not done with you. You say, well, I'm done with me. God's not done. He gives him this promise of restoration. And he says, if you're alive, I'm not done with you. I got more for you. I want to do more in your life. You know what the cool thing about this passage is? We are now what Isaiah was declaring then. We are still living in that promise. You see, we have the good news of Jesus And our job is to take the good news of Jesus and invite people who are thirsty to see change happen in their life. But you know what? To do that, we gotta make some change. In fact, we gotta do more than make some change. We gotta make some room. He tells us in verse two how we do that. Look at at verse two. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Anybody love to go camping? Yeah, yeah. You know, where you get your kids together and you get a, a, a little bit of food and a tent and you go out in the, the wilderness and you act like you're homeless for a few days with your kids? Hey, can y'all just laugh today? Y'all just need to chill out a little bit, okay? There's something holding back in this room and I, I just wanna tell you this. Listen, God wants to give us gladness. So if you're struggling today, listen, when I get done with this message, come talk to me, I'll pray for you, okay? But here's what I believe. God wants to set some people free in this room. And here's a thought. He says, enlarge the place of your tent, Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And here's what he says. I want you to sing in the midst of your barrenness, in the midst of your darkness, and then here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make some change. Everyone say, make some change. You gotta make some room to make some change, right? You gotta make some room. If you're gonna go work out, you gotta say, I gotta have this one hour in my life that I'm gonna go run on this thing called a treadmill, right? I'm gonna do this in my life. You gotta make some room if you're gonna make some change. And so he tells us four things we gotta do. Number one, we've gotta enlarge. Enlarge, enlarge one. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. God's saying to us, you need to make some more room. You need to make some more room for me. Listen, God wants to do more in your life in 2017 than he did in 2016, Of that, I am absolutely convinced. You say, well, man, I just want to glide. We'll talk about that in just a minute, okay? You see, change happens when we increase our capacity for more. Think about that. Change happens remarkably in our life when we increase our capacity for more. He says, hey, your tent is too small. You need to make some room for a bigger tent. You need to make some space For me, hey, one of the greatest things you could do in 2017 is make more room for God in your life. Make more room for him. 
What is it he wants to do? He says, your tent is too small. Make some more room. He says, I can't fit what I want to do in the space you have. Wow, isn't that awesome? God wants to do something so big in us, in his church, that he says, I can't do what I want to do. You better, you better get some more land, boy. You better spread this thing out. And I love it because to do that, to increase our plot, we got to clear out some clutter. Think about the clutter in our life. You say, I know, man. It's my boyfriend. It's my girlfriend. It's my spouse. No, that's not your clutter. Here, here, here's your clutter. You. Think about it. We're consumed with our problems our concerns, our circumstances, our struggles. We're so consumed with all of those things that are ours that we can't realize one truth that could totally set us free in 2017. You ready? Here it is. It's not about you. It's not about you. Oh, but Sean, you don't understand, man. I've been on Facebook talking about how deeply I'm hurt that yesterday when it didn't snow, I had to go get out in the yard and I've got grass burns from making snow angels. I'm so bruised. <laughs> it's not about you. Oh, God will set you free when you start realizing it ain't about you. And I want to tell you something, church, it ain't about me. If you come to Southcrest because you want me to be your personality, I'm not your man. I'm God's man. And I'm gonna be who God wants me to be because it ain't about Sean. It's all about Jesus. Oh, I love that part because he just says enlarge. Your tent's too small. You gotta clear out some clutter. See, here's the truth. If we're absorbed with self, we can't be consumed with God. I don't know about you. I want, in 2017, I wanna be consumed with God. I've spent too much of my life being consumed with me. It ain't about me, and it ain't about you. And so he says, you got to enlarge the place of your tent. God says, I want you to make me big. I want you to make me bigger. You say, well, how do I make God bigger? How in the world do you take the God of the universe and make him any larger than he currently is? You can't. But here's the truth. God is made bigger to this world when we make more room for him and us. Did you hear that? God is made bigger to this world when we make more room for him and us. You say, man, I want God to change my school. I want God to change my work. I want God to change my community. I want, listen, then let him have more room in you. You say, oh man, I knew I was at the wrong church. I, that sounds like hellfire brimstone. No, no, no. I'm gonna preach heaven, freedom, and cornerstone. <laughs> Come on. You say, I don't like that. I want to go somewhere where people will pat me on the back. <laughs> Sorry, no participation awards today. <laughs> Did I just say that? <laughs> he says, enlarge. Don't be absorbed with yourself. Make me bigger. And the only way God is made bigger to this world is when we make more room for him and us. He says the second thing, you've got to stretch. Everyone say, Stretch. Everyone stretch real quick. Put your hands in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Okay, that's good. Put your hands down real quick. I've wondered what that smell was. Um, sorry, I'm a former youth pastor. Okay, sorry. Um, stretch. Here's what stretch means. To be made longer or wider without breaking or tearing. God says, I want you to stretch out. You need to stretch. Why? Because you've got greater capacity. 
You've got greater capacity than you know. And the problem is, is that you're not stretching. And so you're, you're, you're stretching, but you're not stretching. See, I want to illustrate this. I've asked two people to come on stage with me here real quick. Both these folks. Y'all give them a big round of applause. All right. This is Carlin. She is a student at Northgate High School. Everyone say hello, Carlin. This is Matt McFadden. He's our creative arts pastor here at South Crest. Everyone say hello, Matt. All right. Now, Carlin, you have been a cheerleader most of your life, right? Yeah. How many state championships have you won? Two state championships. That's honking amazing. Okay. All right. So I have a feeling that you're pretty good at stretching. I want you to show us one of your stretches real quick. Yeah. How many of you can do that? Right. So we're going to see how good Matt does with that stretch. Go ahead, Matt. Y'all pray for Matt in this moment. That's about it. it. All right. All right. So, hey, let's do one more real quick. Show me, show me one other real good stretch you have. Yeah. Okay, Matt, here's your moment, bro. You can totally redeem yourself. Here we go. Here we go. Y'all pray for Matt. Hashtag pray for Matt. All right. All right. Give him a round of applause. See, that's what you and I look like when we're not stretching. When we're stretching, we have a lot of flexibility. God can do more in us. But when we're not stretching, we become inflexible. And God says, I want to do more, but you can't stretch out enough to do what I want to do. Truth is, we get struggled in our stretching as we age, right? Have y'all figured this out? Like the day I hit 40, the first thing I realized is I am not as nimble as I thought I was. (laughs) I started aging. Some of you go, I'll never age. Listen, you try to stretch like that, okay? Post that selfie. (laughs) the truth is this. We do the same in the church. Sometimes you've been somewhere so long, you just stop stretching. And when a church and its people stop stretching, you know what happens? They start struggling. In fact, I want to make this statement to you. Some of you wondered why for maybe the last year, two years, three years, that, that you're just like, man, why am I struggling? Like the world's getting, uh, the things that happen to me are good, but, but I'm, I'm just struggling. I hear this all the time from people. I'm just overwhelmed. Let me tell you why you're struggling. Because you're not stretching. We always struggle when we stop stretching. We quit using our spiritual muscles and we get atrophy. And so some of us say, well, well man, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to be challenged because if you challenge me, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go somewhere else where someone won't challenge me as hard. And, and if you really love me, you won't challenge me. You'll just accept the fact that I'm just not very flexible. Listen, there's a place for that. It's called a nursing home, right? They'll bathe you once a day, set you up, feed you. They'll even come read you stories. They might even wheel you down and let you play cards with some people. But I want to make this statement to you. The church is not a nursing home. We're not a nursing home for people waiting to get to heaven. Listen, the church is a Jesus-centered, gospel-sending movement that is here to bring change to this world. And God help us if we don't come to God and say, God, I want to be stretched so the love of Jesus can be felt all over South Atlanta. God, stretch us. See, here's what we're doing. We're struggling and we're going, God, keep me safe from this. I don't want to go through this. And God's saying, no, I can't use you if I don't stretch you. Instead, we ought to say, God, stretch me. Stretch me. He says, stretch out. How far? He says, you got to keep stretching out. He says, stretch your tent curtain wide. 
In other words, you've got to get past your own comfort and convenience. And you've got to let God take you further. See, here's, here's the funny thing. God knows this about us. Why? Because he made us. Here's what God knows. We get stronger through stretching. Some of you go, I just love my struggle. Listen, God doesn't want you to struggle. He wants you to start stretching. You say, well, how do, how do, let, me, let me give you a practical way. See, we get in the church sometimes and we're like, hey, I don't know if I want to be in a life group anymore. You know, we got to go at the same time every week and hang out with these people and kind of share life with them. You know, hashtag live connected and all this other stuff. And so we stop connecting with people and then we start struggling. Why? Because we don't have people in our life who are stretching us. We do the same with serving. We're like, oh, I used to serve. Sometimes people talk about serving in the church like it was a, a sentence that they did in a prison. I served four years with the children. I was mauled by a group of seventh graders. But you know why some of us are struggling? Because we're no longer serving. If we're no longer serving, we're no longer stretching. Some of the happiest people in our church are people who are worn out serving others. <laughs> I love our church, man. And listen, if you're struggling, start stretching. Some of you in, in, in our giving, you know, we talked about the campaign a few moments ago. Listen, I want to praise God for this. We have 300 families who have already committed to do something towards our Do You See What I See campaign. I think we ought to celebrate that today. All right? We need to celebrate that. Now I want to stretch us. We have 900 families in our church. That means we're waiting for 600 families to do something, anything. You say, well, what if all 900 families gave and we didn't meet our goal? I don't care. If 900 families gave and we came $100,000 short of the goal, I would trust God that he gave us everything we need. And it's not about how much we give. It's about everyone giving together. Right? God wants to stretch us. He wants to stretch us. God knows we only get stronger through stretching. I know this in my life. What doesn't challenge me won't change me. And I know it's true in your life too. You know the third thing he says? He says lengthen. What does the word lengthen mean? He says lengthen your cords. See, to go further in output and effort means that you lengthen something. He said you've got to have a stronger and longer and further rope to have a bigger tent. God wants us to have greater influence. He's saying you have the capacity to do more, but will you embrace the opportunity to do more? Do you know you have the capacity to love your family more? But we don't always take the opportunity. You have the capacity to serve someone else more, but we don't always take the opportunity. He says you gotta lengthen your ropes. God wants you to have greater influence, but to have greater influence, you gotta have longer ropes. You gotta go wider. I mean, just pose this one question. What if we go wider? Can you imagine what God would do in our church? Can you imagine what God would do in your life? If you just made a decision to say, I'm going to quit holding in and, and staying in my comfort zone and just let God not only stretch me, but I'm going to lengthen my cords so God can do more in my life. I'm going to let God take me further. I'm going to reject the idea that church is just about checking the box. I'm going to embrace the idea that when I come on Sunday mornings, God wants to change my life. And when I leave here, I'm sent to be a missionary to my world. God wants to do more. He says, lengthen your ropes. The fourth one he says is strengthen. Everyone say strengthen. All right, you need to get stronger. 
I need to get stronger. Listen, I, I want to say this to everyone here, Noonan and LaGrange. We need to work out. You say, I know, man, I gained a lot of weight over Christmas. I ate seven too many cookies. <laughs> right? No, no, I'm not talking about your physical body. I'm talking about your spiritual life. You need a good workout. I need a good workout. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said in one of his writings to one of his churches, he said this. He said, make sure that you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? That the day Jesus saved us, we weren't just saved so we could sit and do nothing. We were saved so we could work it out. Work out your faith with fear and trembling. We need a good workout. And you say, well, Sean, I'm, I'm, I'm just not... I'm just not strong, right? So y'all know what this is, right? This is a kettlebell. Some of you look at this and you have a panic attack because I've seen you at the gym, right? And, 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 and you're doing this. <laughs> it's okay. It's how you get stronger, right? Like some of you, you're like me, like I'm looking in the mirror and here's what I'm saying. The beach is over there, <laughs> right? Or some of you going, hey man, I just got back from a gun show, no firearms allowed in the church, okay? So here's the thing about this. We have a love-hate relationship with getting stronger. Here's why. Because we know that until we get stronger, we're gonna struggle with every little thing that comes at us in life. Every time there's a news report about something that goes on, we either... Face it with the strength that we have or the struggle that we continue to embrace. Some of you this year are going to get some news about your life. It's going to throw you back 10 years. And God wants you to be stronger. Why? So you can be stronger? No. So that the stuff that used to take you out in your spiritual life, you look at that and you go, I've been through this before. I know exactly. Listen, God says, hey, work out your... Listen, I love this verse. Listen to this. It's not even on the screen. This is uh, Isaiah 40. This is what God's saying through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired. Can I get an amen? How many of you feel weary and tired at times? Yeah, I do. Every Thursday about four o'clock, I go into the fetal position. No, I'm just teasing. Um, but, but the truth is this, we all get weary. He says, God doesn't grow weary or tired and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men, they stumble and they fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. God's strength is renewable. Some of you go, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, I, I, just, I, I feel weak. No, listen. Because you're putting your hope in yourself or you're putting all your hope in this world. He says, those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Why? So that I'm strong enough that no matter what the enemy, no matter what the world says, no matter what my past says, I'm past that point. I start out and I say, I can, only do, I can only do three of these. And then you do them for six weeks and suddenly you're doing 90 of these. Why? Because you're stronger. He says, strengthen your stakes. Strengthen your stakes. 
Listen, the enemy wants to take you and I out. He doesn't want us to live in freedom and hope and passion in 2017. But God designed us for that. In fact, he tells us in Isaiah 54, I want you to sing. When everyone else is full of sorrow, I want you to stand up and declare my name to all the nations. Listen, God is on the throne. He's not shaken by the political climate, the environmental climate, the financial climate. And it's not about you. It's never been about me. It will never be about us. It's all about him. And the truth is this. He wants to make us stronger. I find it funny that later on in the book of Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 61, one of the statements he makes about his people is this. He says, they will be called oaks of righteousness. I like, have you ever hit an oak tree before? Now listen, I've hit a lot of pine trees. I've been here six years in Atlanta. So like literally I can go in my backyard and make my pine tree do this, right? But have you ever just really run into an oak tree? It's strong. It ain't going nowhere. You're going somewhere. It ain't going nowhere. God says, I'm going to restore my people and I'm going to make them so strong. They're going to be called oaks of righteousness. You know, here's what I love about this. He says, in the midst of your sorrow, sing. These are the things you needed to do to make change. And when you do that, this is what will happen. Look at verse three. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations. That's powerful. And settle in their desolate cities. Now think about it. Think about driving through a city, and that city has a name, and then suddenly 30 years from now, you drive through that city, and you've got a friend in the car, and you say, hey, hey, that, that name used to be... Uh, That name used to be LaGrange. And now it's called Sean. That town used to be called Noonan. And now it's called Bill. You say, what in the world are you talking about? Listen to the promise here. He says, you will spread out to the right or left. You will dispossess nations. What does that mean? It means that nations must have been possessed by something else, but that when God fulfills his promise, that's going to change. And you and I are going to dwell in it. See, here's why I think it's cool. Some of us all our life, we've been possessed by fear. We've been possessed by hurt. Some of us, we've been possessed by religion that told us we were never good enough and that God still wants our very best effort. God tells us in his word there, you're gonna spread out so far, your influence is gonna go so wide that you're literally gonna dispossess nations. Let me tell you what I'm dispossessing in my life. Fear. Let me tell you what I'm dispossessing in my life. Unbelief. Let me tell you what I'm dispossessing in my life. The idea that God only loves me when I give my best effort. Let me tell you what I'm dispossessing in my life. The idea that the fear of man defines who I am. And you know what I do when I dispossess that? I dwell (laughs) in that place. I now possess it. Would you pray with me today? Thank you so much for listening to this message. 
If you have made a decision for Christ or have any prayer request, please email us at hello at southcrest.tv. If you would like to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign, please check out our website at southcrest.church forward slash do you see.